The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Luke 21. Let me bring to your attention uh, while you're still turning there, uh, summer discipleship program. Uh, grades five through six only students. It's for three weeks. It starts on June 27th and it goes through July 15th. It's called Passport. Now we did this last year. I think we had 20 some odd students in there and it was absolutely amazing. Now I know there's nobody in here that's grade five to six because most of them all upstairs. But uh, I think we might have some parents. How many get any parents here or somebody who's in grade five to six? All right. So you can plug them in, be a part of that. These, these pamphlets are on that desk out there. And uh, Mike Sisson, come on up here real quick. Mike Sisson uh, helps to lead our youth, and you've been doing IG Elite. How's it going? It's going great. The kids are getting impacted by the Word, memorizing Scripture, and learning a whole lot about the Bible. Um, it's, it's a three-week summership disciple program like Passport, but it's for youth 7th to 12th grade. If you missed it this year, I'm sorry, but we will be doing it again next year. Um, but we do everything from learning to serve, learning about uh, historically why the Bible can be trusted, scientific facts about... Um, uh, about creationism and why it's, it's, pre- and it's an actual thing that makes sense to believe in. So we give them like hard knowledge of the Word of God historically, science about creationism. It's really fantastic. And they memorize a whole lot of Scripture. All right, now tell them what you're doing tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow we're taking the kids. Every uh, Thursday we do an adventure day. So they work hard, but we play hard too. So tomorrow we're going to a shooting range. They're going to learn gun safety and then they're going to shoot some targets and do a little competition one at a time. And then they're going to shoot some clay pigeons with a shotgun. Uh, the whole thing is completely oversaw by a uh, range master. He was a, uh, overseen, excuse me, uh, overseen by a range master for seven years. His name's John Stewart. He's a part of our church. And um, they get a free gun safety class as well as get to have some fun and shoot some targets and have a little competition. So it's going to be great. All right, awesome. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Okay, Luke, Luke 21. Man, I love this church. Oh, please be in prayer for our uh, Philippines missions team. And we pray for them right now, God, as they, they are, are soon to fly. I believe tomorrow they catch planes out of Hawaii to the Philippines. Use them mightily unto your service in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all do the honor uh, unto God by standing up? We're going to read the word. We stand as a custom. Luke 21, find verse 37. If you're able to stand, if you're not able to stand, just do, do that on the inside. Luke 21, verse 37, we'll read through Luke 22 and verse 6. Uh, we do have notes for you, and I think they're going around if you haven't gotten them yet. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple, but at night, he went out and stayed on the mount called Olivet. Early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. Well, that's not very nice. For they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. 
So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him, talking of Jesus, betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. What they agreed to give him? Money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Gracious Heavenly Father, come and mess us up with truth. Bind demon power, gag every contrary voice to your kingdom. Do what you want to do. Release all that's in your heart. Release truth tonight. Release living understanding tonight. Release the power of your word tonight. Unsheathe your word sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, take these lips of clay and use my speech under an unction of the Holy Spirit to burn truth into our hearts that we might never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So grieved this week over a number of different things that have taken place, some that you're aware of, some that you aren't. Certainly is sad to hear about the shootings. Yet again, another school shooting at UCLA. Innocent lives taken and then the shooter taking his own life, I believe. It's just horrible. It's a horrible thing. And throughout history, there has been things like that. I'm reading a book, How Can These Things Be? I read it on the, on the trip to Chile and on the way back in between the 15 movies I watched. <laughs> How can these things be? Kind of amazing when you see the, the deluge of attack, not only on believers but unbelievers alike, and how so many people forfeit the blessings of God and the good things that have been bestowed upon them. This that we read is one of the greatest crimes in all of history. And from this, these texts, we're going to gain some insight and understanding of how evil can work and how evil can get a hold of you. And how, though you might be casting out devils, calling on the name of Jesus tonight, or you might be praying in tongues tonight and prophesying, how you might be on fire, filled with the Spirit tonight, walking in the promises of God, not long from tonight you could be out shooting somebody, God forbid. But how is that, that one of the twelve ends up becoming the betrayer of our hero, our Savior, our Master Jesus? He said, well, it was prophesied there, but that's true. There's sons of perdition. I don't want to be one. I don't know about you. I'm not going to be a son of perdition. Insights from this. We're, again, shocked by this Southern California shooting. So I believe tonight that the Lord will give you revelation. You know why? Because He really, really loves you. And I want you to glean, if you will, receive tonight from the Word and from that which I share, even stories in my own life. Apply them to your life. I mean, some of the things that I'll share with you tonight need to be written on the inside leaflet of your Bible. Need to be meditated on. So many people come to church, hear a message, and can't remember one thing that was taught 
three or four days later, and they said, well, it just wasn't on fire. No, you're not disciplined to push the word down into your heart and into your ears. And we need, we, we need to meditate on the word. And this is, this is a powerful word, a text I've preached from before. The setting, Jesus is teaching in the temple, but he's protected by the crowd. So the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees and wouldn't sees, they want to kill him. And they want to kill him uh, because of a loss of power. They're committed to killing him. But they can't because there's a whole group of people. Uh, and there's another place that Jesus would go and retreat to. It's the Mount called Olivet or the Mount of Olives. And there's this conspiracy. A conspiracy is, is made up of these religious leaders and, and this guy Judas. So there's these religious leaders who are committed to killing Jesus. And again, they wanted to kill him because they're losing power. They're losing ground on their control. They're losing ground. And here is the Messiah, although they don't know that. They're looking for the, the victorious Messiah of the second part of Isaiah 53, not knowing that Jesus would come as the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 first. He will come later. He will rule and reign. He will split the eastern sky. Yes, there will be world peace, but not before that. Up until that time, there will be wars, rumors of war, the earthquakes, the abomination of the desolation. That's when basically evil stands in the temple and calls himself God. There's so much that needs to happen before that. People say, well, he's just going to come back any day. The truth is, I feel like I just got started. I think I've been in ministry for almost 20 years. And I'm hopeful in a way that he doesn't come back just yet. Because I want to get something done for God. I want to do something for him. I want to lay something before his feet. My life is about that. And many of your lives are too. I'll tell you something. I'm not going to be waving a white flag hoping he just hurries up. That's not the way it is for me. I'm going out swinging, taking as many people as we can. And I don't even know when the going out is. He said, well, it's a pre-trib. You better hope it is. But if it's not, don't be disappointed. Come on, trust his leadership. And so there's conspiracy, religious leaders and Judas. Judas. Judas betrays Jesus for money. Wow, what a jerk. But before we put that epitaph, what a jerk, on his tombstone, if you will, could it be that you're ending up as a Judas? Could it be that you're on the same track as he was? Could it be, you know, I promise you, Judas didn't think, oh yeah, I'm going to be the guy, the one that rejected him. Yeah, I'm going to be the guy, I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah, that's me, sign me up. I don't think so. How is it that Judas did what he did? How is it that Judas, seeing the miracles, seeing the signs, seeing the wonders, he loved the Lord, don't kid yourself, Jesus, Jesus picked him, We'll get into some of the details here. How is it that he did what he did? And how is it that some fool on Southern California campus can gun down people and take his own life? How is it that three pastors in a major city, uh, I believe it's Atlanta, a number of years ago, all fell in mor morally, all in adultery, all of them, mega churches? How is that? How is it that people who name the name of Jesus love him with all their heart, sell their soul for the devil and end up down the river destroying their church, destroying their life? How is it that businessmen do what they do? How is it that a Judas 
so that Judas could do what he did? I think it's worth asking so that you don't end up like him, so that I don't end up like him. How is it that Jesus did what Judas did what he did? There's a theory, and you can read all kinds of commentaries on this, and there's a theory that Judas was forcing Jesus' hand. What do you mean by that? You see, he was anxious for Rome to be removed, as was every other Jew, hoping and believing that God would then set up his throne and push out the infidels, push out these pagans, and set up his kingdom right there. And they'd seen the signs and the wonders and the miracles, and they knew that he was the Messiah. So they're kind of like, well, is he going to do it yet? Are you going to set it up yet? When are you going to bring it? Come on, Jesus, bring the heat. Drive them out. And so there's a theory that Judas was forcing Jesus' hand in that by turning him over to the Romans, he would finally, like Superman, bust out of the booth and just waste everybody and be like, So the theory is that, that Judas betrayed him so that Jesus would step up and set up his kingdom. That's the theory. There's only one major problem with that. It's the money problem. Because what he did was for money. So he wasn't some misguided patriot. What he did was he did for money. And so as we look at Judas tonight, Reflect on your own life and be careful that you don't fall. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, be careful you don't fall. Go ahead, tell him. Who was Judas Iscariot? Let's look at your notes. He was, uh, he's called Iscariot. Now, Iscariot can be translated two ways. On, in the Greek, it means he could have come from the town of Kerioth. Iscariot is a Hellenized version, a Greek version of the town Kerioth. So there's a town in the region there in, in Israel called Kerioth. And a Hellenized or Greek version of that is Iscariot. So it could have been that Judas is from this town, Kerioth or Iscariot. And so he's called Judas Iscariot. It's not his last name. So you, it could have been that. It could have been that he was a zealot. For Iscariot could have been taken from the Latin meaning Sicarius. How many of you know what that word? How many of you heard that word before? Sicarius. It means dagger men. There's a group of a group of terrorists at that time called the dagger men. And they would carry these daggers and they hated Rome. And they would basically go around kind of what's happening in Jerusalem now in a, in a very wicked way. And they'd sneak up on Jews and stab them. And so these dagger men, or those of Iscariot or Sicarius, would take these daggers and sneak up on Roman soldiers and stab them in the behind and then disappear into the crowd. They're terrorists. So some say that Judas was one of these, these zealots, one of these Sicarius or dagger men. No one knows for sure, but we do know that Jesus chose him, which is always amazing to me. He not only chose him, he chose him to hold the money bag. He told him to be the treasurer. Now, God, he knows everything. Jesus is fully man, fully God. And I know that he knew that Judas had issues. 
Aren't you glad that Jesus knows you have issues? Come on, look at your neighbor. He says, he must be talking to you. Go ahead, tell him. He must be, must be talking to you. Jesus chose him. Jesus handpicked him. So if you look at a, a group of people and he picks a thief, wow. Again, he saw the miracles of Je- that Jesus did. Casting out demons, healing the sick. Again, to make reference to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Listen, don't be moved by somebody being able to give you an accurate prophetic word. Praise God for that. Don't elevate somebody to a place where they should never be. I've seen people prophesy and totally backslide 10 years later. Like amazing, I have an amazing word from somebody who prophesied and then no longer served the Lord and denies him. Gave me a word from God. God used his mouth, but he fell. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. How can somebody do all the stuff away from me, you who practice lawlessness? How can somebody do all the stuff and still be rejected? Away from me, I never knew you. Whole sermon series right there. Judas never knew him. How can these things be? How is it that Pastors, ministers, small group leaders, business people who say they love the Lord can, can do some of the things that they do. How, how is that? Did you ever wonder about that? I, I have. I'm wondering about it right now. And as I meditated on this and thought about this, and I've been at many, uh, many an autopsy, spiritually speaking. I actually like them. Don't get me wrong. What I like doing, and, made it, and I've made it a study in my life, is I want to examine, when somebody wipes out, let's take a really good look at how that happened. I mean, I mean let's just unfold the whole thing. Let, let's really look. Let's do an autopsy, a spiritual autopsy, because I don't want that. And I want to teach my people to never, never fall. There's so many scriptures and so many messages but, that you could preach. But this is an amazing text. How is it that Judas did these things? Well, the first thing I, I think is that he had leaven in his life. He had leaven. He had yeast in his life. There were things in his life. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6. Praise God from whom all... Woo! 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. Your glorying is not good. He's talking in the Corinthian church. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? Go to verse 7. Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast with, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the le- 
unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Kind of amazing, the Apostle Paul talking to the people in Corinth, telling them, you've got leaven. He goes on, uh, and, and he, he talks about, uh, I don't know if it goes on or it's just before that, but he, he rebukes a, them for actually allowing a man who is committing adultery or fornication with, it's adultery because it's his stepmother. So there's a, there's a, a young man in the church who's committing adultery with his stepmother, his father's wife. And, and they are allowing it in the name, they're, they're tolerating it. Listen, it's one thing if you walk into a church, you don't know anything about that, and you're going to church, and you find out about Jesus, and you got issues in your life. I, I think we have a few people who came with lots of issues. Amen. When I came in, I was toe up from the flow up. Yeah. And then I began to learn about the Word, began to learn that certain things are not right. Even though my conscience was bothering me, my mama told me long ago and found out biblically she's right. Yeah, you shouldn't fornicate. Yeah, don't use drugs. Pride's not good. Got to deal with these issues in your life. And once you begin to discover those things, if you continue along that way, naming the name of Jesus, there needs to come correction to you. There needs to come a biblical correction. Now, I have a great, a great regard for the Holy Ghost. I've seen the Holy Spirit tell people to get a haircut. I've seen the Holy Spirit tell people to change this, change that. I mean, one of my favorite ones is our dear brother Aaron. Struggling with his health right now, Lord, heal him. But Aaron, when he came in, dreadlocks, dope grower on Maui. How I many he needed some deodorant? I mean, he had hair everywhere, tie-dyed and wasted, living in a tent, broken, broken, broken young man. He came in, gave his heart to Jesus, and we just let Jesus touch him, help him. They didn't try to jump on him, control him, tell him to change this. He just, we just kept loving on him. He kept coming. He was at every service. He's answering altar calls. I will never forget when he says to me, Oh, dude, I think the Lord doesn't want me to come to church stoned anymore. I'm like, no kidding. He says, dude, do you think that's God? I said, yeah. Yeah, sounds like God. Is that in the Bible? Yeah, let's take a look. Isn't it great? Because when, when, when the Holy Spirit fixes somebody's wagon, it's fixed. But it's a, quite another thing when you know what's right, you know the right thing to do, and you straight reject it, continue to go after that thing, live that life while knowing full on it's wrong, and continuing to come to church. That is a dangerous place to be. And, and many times people will come into churches and begin to get influence and begin to be like yeast. That move through the congregation, poisoning people. Now that doesn't happen here. Because you just got, we're going to love you, and we're going to lovingly slap you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's crazy to jump all over somebody's business when they just walked in and you be the Holy Spirit. Don't be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. 
You can tell somebody they need to do this and they need to do that and start trying to control them and bring religion. That's, that's, don't do that. Let them fall in love with God and God will begin to tell them, teach them the word. Come on, teach them the word and the Lord will correct them all by themselves and then, you know, you help them at that point. Help them along the way. I think, I think Judas had leaven in his life. Paul says, look, there, there's... There's a sin problem that will get into you and mess you up. You know, some of you people, some of you beautiful people, the brethren, you hang out with people you should never, God bless you, some of you hang out with people you should never hang out with. So you spend time with somebody who's all jacked up, still using, still on drugs, ain't trying to get, but what business, or do you, uh, you minister to them, but you don't, you don't bring them close Bible talks about not even eating with such a person. I don't want to get all weird or anything, but some of you got your best friends who's a crackhead. You, you need to distance yourself, Bubba. You need to get, get, them, get them away just a little. Come on, somebody say, get away. <laughs> you need to lovingly remove yourself from some of those situations because that stuff will get on you. I, I don't know if you, was, if you were like me, but, you know, back in the day working a construction job, you know, there a lot of foul mouths on construction jobs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I didn't have the cleanest language back then. I didn't even I didn't know the Lord. But it was an amazing thing I discovered that when I hung out with somebody who cursed a lot more, that my cursor got a big boost. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, I'm dropping more F-bombs than I ever did. And, and because, you know, Jethro... Jimmy Dean, he's standing next to me, curses a lot, and he's the guy I work with every day. And before you know, I'm like, hey, ugh. Because bad company corrupts good character. And so I believe, I believe that what happened for Judas is he got some leaven in his life. He had some issues. He chose to steal the money. Let's look at the process that took place here. It doesn't matter if you've been in church for 30 years. If you'll just listen to what I'm about to tell you, because maybe you, some of you have leaven in your life and you wonder where the fire is. You don't have any fire. You're coming out of, out of a, a consistency and a discipline, and I think that's wonderful, and I bless you, and I'm glad you're here. But if you've lost the fire and you lost your zeal and you, you, you've, you've relegated the walk of Jesus as a thing of discipline where you're just going to show up on a Sunday or a Wednesday, there's something radically wrong. Christianity's passion-driven. And you need to have times of discipline for sure and resisting the devil and all of that. He chose to sin. He chose to sin. He stole the money. If you look at John chapter 12 and verse 5, quote, why wasn't this perfume? Now Mary comes bursting in, washes the feet of Jesus with a year's worth of wages. So if you make $2,000 a month, that's $24,000 offering. It's a 20, let's just let's call it a $24,000 offering. Some of you make much more, some of you make much less, I, mean, I don't know, but we'll just call it two grand. So two grand a month times 12, $24,000 offering. She gives a whole year's worth of wages in this alabaster box that gets broken on the feet of Jesus. He doesn't rebuke her, by the way. You know, there are moments of great extravagance that will release something that you could never get any other way. You missed what I just said. There's moments of extravagance where you, you need to learn to live that way. The Lord will tell you, speak to you. You'd you be sensitive to moments of extravagance where God will do something for you that you could never do if you'll just do what, what he tells you to. 
And in John 12, that same story, Judas' reaction, the words of John here, verse 5, John 12, 5, why wasn't this perfume sold for money and given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Judas was a church treasurer. Now, we have so many structures in place. I just want to tell you. I've, I've seen other structures that are pure insanity to me. We have, there are two signatures on every check. There are check requests and accounting firms. There, there is not one dollar that goes through here that, that is not counted by a team of people that are unrelated, that have all been chosen and tested, tried and true. I'm talking about people of character and integrity. Not only are the people that do the counting tithers and givers, but they have the character to be able to count an offering and forget who gave anything and not let it affect them when they're in the congregation. Hello? Do you know that is not the case in some churches? And you have people getting all an attitude about somebody because they gave or they did give or, or whatever, and it gets all weird and all... You say, who's in control of that? I am, by the Holy Ghost. I handpicked those people. You can't sign up for that, even if you wanted to. So how do I get on the team? You can. You just pray, I guess. Talk to Jesus. He's going to have to talk to me, and then I'll talk to you. There's the only way to get on the team. Now listen, if you have all of that character and you haven't been picked, well then don't worry about it. Listen, we're just a spirit-led church, that's all. Don't worry about it. It's a lot of hard work. You should be thankful he didn't pick you, you know. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of giving going on, a lot of, a lot of banking going on. Pray, Come on, somebody say praise God, it's the way it should be. Yeah, it's the way it should be. Here Judas, Judas was ripping off the Lord. Talk about a lack of the fear of God. Holy cow, what a moron. And it happens in many, many churches. People allow an area in their life to begin to control them. In this case, in this case, the area that's controlling Judas is greed. But there are many people, even here tonight, those online, those that will listen by podcast, that allow for areas of their life to grow and allow for those areas to begin to control them. It could be lust. It could be greed. It could be anger. And if you allow for that, that leaven, you allow for that thing to work in your life, then what you're going to end up doing is you're going to fall. You will fall. This might be different than you, but you don't have a greed problem, but maybe you do. How do I know if I have a greed problem? If every time I stand up to take an offering, you get ticked off at me, you have a greed problem. Come on and smile at me. Every time you get bent out of shape that I'm taking an off, we should take an offering right now just to see if you've got a greed problem. <laughs> I've been in services where I've heard that kind of thing and I instantly smiled right there so the pastor or preacher didn't look at me. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I heard some nervous laughs out there. It might be, it might be a drug bondage. It might be a sexual bondage. It might be a resentment, something you've allowed your fallen human nature to relish in. And you've held that thing. You think it only affects you. Well, I've got news for you. Judas affected a lot of people. And if you are relishing in some aspect of your fallen human nature, 
it will affect not only you, it'll affect your family, and it'll affect all those you're in contact with. And the truth is, like secondhand smoke, come on, you could take a big drag of a cigar right now and blow it into the room. Everybody's going to be smoking cigar here in just a little minute after that cloud dissipates. You're going to get some cigar molecules up in your lungs. All right. Second thing you'll notice is uh, John 12, 7. It says, leave her alone, Jesus replied. So he's, I like this because he's, he's talking to Judas. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Judas is rebuked by Jesus, and I think offense takes place. So Jesus comes and rebukes Judas. And Judas, I think, got offended. Listen, don't get offended at people that bring correction to you. Don't get offended when somebody says, hey, stop that. You need to stop that. You know, I don't like getting corrected. I I really don't. But I sure love what it does for me. <laughs> Those whom the Lord loves, he beats the hell out of. Come on, that's a paraphrase. Actually, it comes off of a, of a computer. It's a, it's a little card that was on the computer of uh, um, Lauren Cunningham. Lauren Cunningham is the founder of, of YWAM, released more missionaries in, in the modern history than anybody ever thought of. Had a dream of all these young people going up on the shores of the nations and bringing the gospel. Lauren Cunningham's a friend of the ministry, comes, preaches nearly every year. And he shared, you know, those whom the Lord loves, he has this thing on his computer to remind him that when you're going through correction, it's a sign that you're not a... Yeah, that's the King James, a sign that you're not a bastard. Did you just get offended? Yeah, that you're a real son, that you're a real daughter. That when correction comes, that you just loving, now it can be given in the wrong way and all of that, but Judas gets, a, gets a, offended, I believe, at Jesus. Jesus says, hey, he knows he's stealing. He says, the poor you always have with you. Don't, don't get offended. If you end up getting offended, you will get suspended in your walk with God. If you, get, if you allow yourself to get offended over a brother or a sister or a circumstance, you allow yourself to get offended over what's taking place in a ministry or a church. Jesus said to live above offense. Some of you were offended when you came out the womb. Man, you need to get out. You need to. No, some of you know what I'm talking about. Of course, there's nobody here. I remember there was a time in my life where I was so offended and so angry that if I... I thought that somebody was looking at me. If I thought they were looking at me, they'd be like, what are you looking at? And they're reading something on the wall. They ain't looking at you. What, you got a problem? Huh? And they're like, what? Huh? What? Excuse me? And you thought you knew that they were looking at you and the clothes that you were wearing or the shoes that you had on and, you know, and they're all after you. But actually, you're just all offended. You're all angry and you're like, I think that's Judas. I think he took offense. All of a sudden, you begin to see a 
Imagine what's taking place in Judas Iscariot. He's got all of these things. He's stirring. And I think he was greatly disappointed, number three, greatly disappointed that Jesus wasn't a political Messiah. Oh, I could preach a series on disappointment. Many years ago, I, I had given my heart to the Lord, and um, some of you know my whole testimony, but I, I went back to uh, the state of Washington in an effort to restore a broken marriage. I was divorced prior to meeting Pastor Karen. I had a promise that God was going to give me my kids back, still have it. But I had a picture of how he was going to do it. Now, I've told this here before, so I won't go real long, but I had a picture of how God was going to do that. And really, I, I, I drummed it into a dream and a vision. And, and really, it like, even had like some anointing on it, you know, in my mind. And so I was, you know, I, I dreamed I was going to fly back to Seattle. And I'm going to get, a, get a, you know, a taxi, get back to the house. I'm going to knock on the door. She's going to open the door. She'll be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus, too. You're safe, too. Let's serve God. Yes, and the kids would come out, and we'd have a prayer meeting, and we'd worship and cry, and we'd eat some food, and, and I'd go get a job in the ministry or something. That's the, you know, the similar picture that I had. Oh, I took the plane, and I took the taxi, and I knocked on the door. However, when the door opened, God bless this precious woman who... Lost her mind when she saw me. Ah! Shut the door. Like it, it was like something out of a horror movie. The door shuts in my face. I'm like, whoa, that's not what I saw. Jesus. The door opens back up, and what I believe now is actually she had a gun behind her. We had, they had weapons in the house. They opened the door. And she says, you need to leave. You need to leave. And she had a hand, a hand behind her this way. And she says, you need to go. I'm calling the cops. I'm calling the cops. And she shut the door. Well, I'm thinking, no, no, I pleaded outside. I'm different. I'm changed. I got saved. I love God. Come on. I, we can get married again. Oh, it's all going to work out. Let's start going to church. Come on. The kids need a father. All this stuff. Oh, Lord. And I prayed the prayer and everything outside. Then, woo, please show up, you know. Yeah. They're dragging me off the porch. They're dragging me off the porch, and as I'm being dragged off the porch, this disappointment hit me so strong, my heart turned as I stood at the end of that driveway, and the cops had got me, and I'm resisting a little bit, and finally I said, okay, okay, I'm going, I'm going. And they let me go, still standing there. I stood on the end of the driveway, and I cursed God and gave him a, a gesture you should never give to anybody and said, I will never serve you, ever. And I turned my back and I said to the cops, I said, I'm leaving. Don't worry about it. I'll never come back. I left. Eight months of hell from that point. So what happened? What happened was I had an idea of how God was going to do what he was going to do. 
I had an idea. I had it figured in my mind. This is the way God's going to bring me miracle, the miracle. This is the, what God's going to do. Listen, some of you are so jacked up because he didn't pour into you like he thought he would. Come on, you are the clay. He's the potter. He's the potter. You're the clay. Never seen a lump of clay talk back to the potter, ever. And so that disappointment racked me and I turned my back in tremendous heartache and brokenness and offense towards God. Some people are offended at God by what he does. Other people are offended at God by what he doesn't do. You cried out for that girl to be your wife. Oh, you interceded in Bible college or school or whatever. And you go back for your 30th anniversary. She's 700 pounds, has got no teeth, totally bald. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows how to bless you. He knows how to help you. It's not a true story. It's just an illustration. You see that, you know, look what the Lord has, ah, look what, he healed my body, ah, yeah, but when he said no before, and he shut you down, you're like, do you even love me, God? You don't even know what I'm going to do. He was disappointed that Jesus didn't come and. Become king. There are times when you walk with the Lord when he doesn't do the things that you want to think you should do. Oh, I've had those times. And in those times, I have learned. That means I had to learn. I had to learn to go, okay, you're God. You know, you bind, you loose, you pray, you do your part, but in the end, you just got to let go and trust his leadership. You just got to let go and say, well, you're God, and I'm not, and, I try, and I'm amazing how God will do things and come right around. He oftentimes offends the mind to reveal the heart. And if you go through disappointment and offense, and if you don't deal with it rightly, you could end up falling. You could end up being a Judas. Disillusionment sets in. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands how many of you had that experience. And let me just tell you, for those of you that haven't, you will. Say, what? Oh, snap. What are you talking about? You'll have moments where God will, come on, things will happen. An offense, a disappointment will take place. And you're just going to have to choose to say, I'm not going to yield to my emotions. God, I know that you're good. I know that you're good. See, you've got to settle it. Listen, runners, when they run, they train to hit the wall, marathon runners. And if you aren't trained to run through the wall, when the wall comes, you quit. It doesn't matter what your coach says. doesn't matter what anybody says. You get to the place, and you didn't train right. You didn't eat right. You get to the place where you cannot go any longer. But you just be like, 
Oh, that's it. And you'll lie down and quit and not finish the marathon. Some of you are in this, this peace right now. Yeah, I mean, you've got some, we all got challenges. But understand that you need to learn to train right now to keep your heart. Learn to pray. Learn to watch. Learn to rule over your body. Control your tongue. Learn to, learn to just submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Learn that in your life, you are God's precious treasure. You're the apple of his eye. He's crazy about you and he's going to take this thing that the devil meant for evil and he's going to turn it for good. He's going to turn it all around. He will turn it all. Ah, ah, ah. He'll turn it all around. He's an on time God. Yes, he is. He's an on time God. Yes, he is. Gosh, if I could sing that, I would right now. He's a non-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. Don't worry. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn for good. Don't be disheartened. Don't be discouraged. Don't be offended. Don't have a secret agenda. Don't have a secret agenda. More people have a secret agenda, so they're going to serve God, but they got this thing. They've got this, this deal in them, you know. I love you, Lord. What's that? Got this thing. When nobody's looking, they're all. You gotta, you gotta break the secret agenda. Listen, I don't know if you ever backslide, backslid. I backslid like all the way. I mean, on fire, writing poetry, singing, dancing, witnessing, winning souls, running around the church, filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost, and I totally turned my back on Him. That is an experience you never want to have, and I'm telling you how not to have it. You've got to get the leaven out of your life. You've you got to get rid of the discouragement. You've got to get rid of the offense. And you've got to quit having an opinion about how God's going to do the thing. Like just know that he's going to do it. It's going to be good. And you have very limited perspective on how that's going to happen. And sometimes he'll give you a prophetic word. But we still see dimly. Well, Hallelujah. Four, look at four, religious hypocrisy is seeing the sacred as nothing. Seeing the sacred as nothing. On a number of occasions we see Jesus reach to Judas in an attempt to woo him from his evil plan. And if you think about the times that maybe you rejected him for a season, you'll see how he was making a way of escape. You'll see that no man is attempted beyond what he's able to bear that God will always make a way of escape. If you're a hypocrite, you're in the right place. Somebody said to me, Pastor, I don't like going to, going to church. I'm going to go to church. A bunch of hypocrites in church. I'm like, yeah, well, where else do you want them to be? I mean, man, they can hear a word like this, like really get their bacon fried and repent and start living free for God. 
instead of being a religious person. Praise the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Religion, hypocrisy, the root word of that is an actor. Hypocrite. Actors. If there's any hypocrites here tonight, you're in the right house. If you know any hypocrites, please invite them to church. Don't you trust everybody up in here? Somebody said, I got something stolen from the parking lot. Buddy, if you're not locking your truck or your car, let me give you a word of wisdom. Lock your truck. Lock your car. Come on, give me an, give me an amen. amen. I heard one preacher say, if you don't see cigarette butts outside the church somewhere, you ain't reaching nobody. It is right. And I believe that after you're reached, you should start quitting smoking. You say, smoking going to take me to hell? I don't know, but it'll make you smell like you've been there, that's for sure. It's certainly not good for you. It doesn't bring health to your lungs, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, you can not pick on smoking and eat on, pick on eating. But we'll probably have to close in prayer before we get into that because it'd just be too much. It's the one sin that Christians allow themselves to do. Go ahead and just gorge yourself, you glutton. <laughs> hey, praise God. Yeah. Let's just repent. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. An application here. Judas at the Last Supper, this is really a fascinating thing because I believe this is what Satan's trying to do to the church. He's trying to get the church defiled. He's trying to get the church offended. He's trying to get the church in a place where they have no power because of the defilement and the offense that they have. You see, can't steal you from going to heaven necessarily by that, but he can certainly get you isolated and to get you to fall or to walk with zero power, zero authority. Judas, if you remember, John 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. I, I, I love how John identifies himself. What's your name? I'm the one that Jesus loves. Oh. And Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him to ask him of who did he spoke. In other words, he says that one of you is going to betray me. How many of you know this text? And then leaning back, verse 25, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, watch this now, it is him whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. Here, here's, 
Turn to 1 Corinthians. Oh, I got time. Praise God. I'm going to decappuccino this thing right now. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 11. Go ahead. Turn there. 1 Corinthians 11. And go, go to the place where it's talking about, and if you could put it up on the screen, about uh, receiving the Lord's Supper. What verse would that be? Who's, who's got it? What, what Bereans out there? Come on. 1 Corinthians 11. One more time. 25. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. 25. You put that up? In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Next verse. For as often as you drink, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Keep going. Therefore, whoever, watch this now, watch now. Everybody say, watch it, watch it. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Leave it. Wait a second. Hold the phone. What's he saying? Does anybody know what he's saying? Let's all read this one more time. Let's read it again. You guys ready? You all ready back here? Everybody ready? All right. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the... I can't hear you guys. Come on, try it again. Ready? Therefore... Whoever drinks this cup of the Lord in an be guilty. Okay, stop. I think we ought to find out what an unworthy manner is. In other words, if you take communion, eat the dread and bread, and drink the cup in a way that's unworthy, then you're the one that killed Jesus. And you're not forgiven for it, in other words. In other words, you are so busted. Go to the next verse, verse 28. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, uh uh-oh, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30. For this reason, many are weak, Oh, and sick among you and have fallen asleep. Leave that up. We're not talking about taking a nap. We're talking about death. What are you saying, Pastor Dan? You're freaking me out. Good, I hope so. I hope I'm waking you up to the Judas factor. Wake up to the Judas factor because you cannot continue to come to church, say that you love God, and and do these kinds of things where you're receiving the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. In other words, you know you're going to go shack up in the back of the car. You know you're going to go do drugs. You know you're going to steal that thing. You know you're going to get back to your... You know you're going to get back to that. You know you're going to do it. And then you go ahead and receive communion. You say, well, I'm going to skip church this weekend because I know it's the first weekend of, of, of the communion and this weekend. I ain't, I ain't coming to church this weekend. No, 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 no. No, you're missing the whole point. So really what this says is if you receive the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, you can end up being weak. I just got to tell you what I did for just a second. I'm having some pain in my body. I got some stuff going on, right? Just Somebody said, yeah, you're almost 50, whatever. Somebody said, well, you're getting old. I just ain't buying that. 
I'm going to live to 120. I'm entering my jubilee. I'll take that word right there. Right? I'm going to live to 120. That's, my, that's where my faith, that's what I'm believing for. I'm going to preach till I'm 120. <laughs> Whole bunch of young bugs. I'll just open in prayer or something and cheer it. Go, go. So, but as I read that, I thought to myself, I've got some weakness. So as I paused, did you hear me pause? I didn't finish reading. I paused to just do a little check, check. Some of you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. We, hallelujah. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you. So are you telling me, Pastor Daniel, that I can be sick because I've not been living right, but I'm calling myself a Christian and I go to church and I take communion? Yeah, that's totally what I'm saying. Are you telling me that I could die? Now it says sleep because death for the believer is it's like going to sleep. It's not separation from God. This is not a popular message, and you're not going to hear it at, a, at, at some ear-tickling event. This is, this is not something like, oh, yeah, come on, bring death, yes. Are you okay? I'm talking about the Judas factor. I'm talking about not falling. I'm not going to fall, so help me, God, and I'm going to set my life up in a way that I don't get offended, that I don't, did, don't, don't allow for the leadership of the Lord to be an offense to me or disappointment. I'm, I'm not going to allow for secret sin. Anybody else with me? Is there anybody else that's committed, committed to serving God, to make Him your Lord, make Him your Savior, that you would be the bond servant of Christ? Is there anybody here like that? I believe there is, and that's the remnant. That's people who are saying, man, I'm going to serve you. Money, no money. Fame, no fame. It's not that I'm going to serve you because you're God all alone and you are worthy to be served. You're worthy, God, for me to be a living sacrifice, to renew my mind, to lay hold of the promises of God and not back up, not shut up. Continue to pray. Continue to fast. Continue to give till your kingdom comes to see his power manifested. I'm sick of compromising, throwing the towel Christianity. I really don't see it a whole lot around here, but it's around. Don't be a Judas. So what are you saying? Well, you should receive the communion in a worthy manner. And what Judas did was it wasn't worthy. And you see, Satan entered him when he took that bread in John 13. He was receiving communion. You can go back and study it, but it's the Last Supper. Jesus said, you know, this is the cup of the new covenant. My, this, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And he broke the bread in likewise manner, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. So we know what the bread, the bread represents. We know what the blood represents. It represents the broken body of Jesus and his blood poured out on Calvary. So we know that's what it represents. So when Judas takes the bread, he doesn't discern the very sacred thing that's taking place and he, he basically defiles that which is sacred and just sees it as a little snack. A sacred meal without the heart being right will kill you. I have great respect for people who don't take communion. So in other words, when the cub cubs are like, I need to take care of some stuff. Now, if you're living that way and you're living a way that's not right, it's a great opportunity to repent. Don't just hold your hand up and let it pass. Is anybody getting anything? 
1 Corinthians chapter 10. Every one of us here could end up as a Judas. See, some of you are opening doors and playing with the enemy and thinking that it's just going to be all right. Well, you do not have that promise. You've got to shut the door. Listen, you say, what do I do if I've opened the door? Even last night or the night before, what do I do if I, well, repent. Shut the door. You know, I don't know if anybody knows anything about this door over here. I know some of you do. This is an exit door. We open it because it's hot. Okay, to shut this door, it will not shut like that. That door doesn't shut. How many of you ushers know what I'm talking about? Well, why doesn't it shut? Because it's just harder to shut without getting too technical. But there's a way to shut it. And I'll tell you the thing that's hard about opening doors that you shouldn't open. You gotta, you gotta shut them, and sometimes it's not so easy. Now, what happened is years ago, the hinge got popped just a little bit. And so to shut this door requires a unique touch. You have to pull back on it and pull in. So here we go. It requires two hands. Now the door is shut. Some of you are like, oh, that's how you shut that. <laughs> I've been here for 10 years of that thing. It popped the first year I was here. Say, why don't you fix it? I don't know. We fixing other stuff and trying to get people saved. Come on. We'll get to it. Wally, make a note of that, would you? Praise God. <laughs> Listen, what I'm telling you is if you, you open doors, you need to shut them. You need to live a life of repentance and be sure that you keep the enemy out of your life. Get rid of the leaven. Get it out. You say, well, nothing's happened to me, and I just do whatever I want to, and it's all good. Yeah, nothing happened yet because it's kindness that leads to repentance. It's his blood that brings forgiveness. In his mercy I find myself here at his throne of grace. It's his kindness. Patience. He's patient. Thank God he's patient with us. All right, 1 Corinthians 10. I'm done. You ready? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. These things happen to them, worship team, brother piano guy First Corinthians uh, 10 verse 11 these things happen to them as examples and written down for us I think I might be in the new King NIV now these things happen to us as to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Next verse. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man, and God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I can't tell you how many services I was in in my younger years where I would hear a word like this. This word is like a bronze-tipped arrow dead in the heart of some of y'all. And you're suddenly realized, oh, I'm being set up to fall. You don't have to fall. 
you can walk in victory. You don't have to fail. The devil's created. He's a created thing. You're serving the uncreated one. And he can protect you. He can make a way of escape. But you have to do your job. You have to do your job. Come on, just begin to talk to the Lord. Stand upon your feet all across this place. I'm, I'm through. Come on, let's, we're gonna, you're going to know the song we sang in worship. We'll sing it again. try to get stuff to satisfy us but it never does the devil's a bad devil he'll he'll dangle a carrot out in front of you so when you grab it then he backs off and points at you look 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 what he did right now all I know is everything I have means nothing Jesus if you're not
dealing with disappointment or perhaps you've been offended by somebody's rebuke or a situation that didn't turn out the way that you would have hoped or maybe you're here and you you said you got issues in your life and you realize you need to repent you need to you need to come back home if you're here do not play church don't leave this place having heard listen We've got to come back to a a realization that the days of Ananias and Sapphira Sapphira really do exist. That was the New Testament. And you can't play church. You can't play with God. And when he brings you a word like this and you have that thing, you better get rid of it and not leave this place with it. And if you're too embarrassed to expose that, well, then you might have to take a couple laps around the mountain. It's no fun. You can get clean. You can get free. You can get healed tonight. If you're here, you're not right with God. All across this place, those online, if you died tonight, you don't know for sure whether heaven would be your home. Don't leave this place in that condition. You're not right tonight because you know that you've got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, and you're just messing with stuff. You're shacked up. You toe up. You're hurting and you're broken and you're grabbing for straws and things that don't satisfy that's outside the will of God. you got an open door and you want to shut it tonight. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment because you drifted or if this message just hits you right and you want prayer, you want to let it go, you want to start today, you don't want this thing to take root. You don't want to get rid of the leaven. Come to the front right now as we continue to sing. All I know. Come on, come. Come on, just you and Jesus. Come on, come. Jesus, if you're not my one thing, come on, come. Come. just talk to him now tell him what's going on be honest with him come on get honest with God I'm all for being led in a prayer and we might do that but I mean get honest with God tonight confess whatever you're going through 
Come on, get re knows everything anyway. Be truthful. Be honest. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't play church. Let the stuff go. Let it go. Let go of the offense. Let go of the disappointment. Trust God to turn it around. Listen, I gotta, I gotta share this. You remember the story where I, the police took me. You remember? Well, they didn't take me. They stopped me, and I left on my own accord. I stood in that driveway, cursed God. Twenty years later, I stood in that same driveway on a ministry trip to Seattle. The Lord told me to go back to the house. I went back to the house. I stood in the exact same spot, the same driveway, lifted my hands and wept and worshiped God for how he's taken my life out of the ashes and he gave me beauty, how he has blessed me. I have a very blessed life. My children who, for all I know, might listen to this message. Can't wait to have a relationship with you. I've got two kids out there. I don't know. Beautiful children. Long for the opportunity to share life and be a dad or father to them, even though they're in their mid to late, getting late 20s now. I stood in that same place. I thought, we might as well lead the owner of the house to Jesus. So it went and knocked on the door. They opened the door and got to talk to this man. He was a believer, but didn't really go to church and stuff. So I got to stand in the same place that I signed the divorce papers. I got to stand in the same, I, I said, do you mind if I just kind of, he said, I'll do whatever you want. I got to stand there. I got to stand in the, in the place of the greatest domestic violence that took place. Well, I didn't know Jesus. I was a hurting, hurting young man that rejected the, the correction and the instruction of my parents and rebelled. And basically the devil took hold of me and this is where it ended up for me. I stood in that place of, of total heartbreak and loss and wept for the redemptive power of God in my life. I don't know where you're at right now, but God can restore. God can heal. He can do it for you. But it ain't going to happen by you conniving, stealing, getting offended. It happens by submitting and dying and serving the Lord, dying to self, serving God. I just trust Him with all of your days. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And all I know is everything in life means nothing but this one thing. <laughs> he truly satisfies. Come on, sing it again. All, all I know is everything I have means nothing. Jesus. Jesus, if you're not my one thing, everything I need. All you need is Jesus. I know it sounds trite, but it's true. Because all I know is Everything you are and nothing, Jesus, if you're not my one thing, everything to me right now. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, I pray your healing, Lord, for these. I pray, God, offense, Lord, that they would just let it go, that you would heal those that have been offended, that you would touch those that have been dis greatly disappointed that you would heal the wounds, Lord, of the past. You'd heal the memories, Lord, of the things that were stolen. But the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is truly the father of lies. And Lord, heal the memories, heal the things that have so beleaguered them. That, Lord, tonight, as people have heard this message, and we're asking for all of us, Lord, if there's any leaven 
If there's any yeast, any sin on the inside of us, God, you'd expose it. You'd expose it to us so that we could repent. We ask you right now to show us, reveal to us. We examine ourselves as in 1 Corinthians 11. A man ought to examine himself. Lord, we examine ourselves. Come on, tonight, examine your heart. Service is almost over. Not another two minutes and we'll be done. Come on, examine your heart. Where are you at? Don't get callous. Don't get hard. For those of you that came to give your life to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to Him, and for all of us affirming our faith, just pray right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place. Thank you that He rose again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. I renounce it. Secret and shameful ways. I let go of any offense, any unforgiveness. And I pray now, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I choose to live for you. I don't choose sin. I choose you. Use my life for the purpose for which I was created. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray your touch. Every bondage, every chain, every curse be broken. Let your power now come upon these. Bring healing, blessing, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for turning it all around. Thank you for favor, healing. It's healing your heart. It's healing your heart. Joel 2.25, I'll restore all the years that the locusts have taken. I'll restore them all. I'll restore all the years. All the years. Every year, I'll restore all the years that the locusts have taken. Lord, thank you. Do a touch. Bless. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Glory to God. Let's close in prayer. Take someone by the hand if you're able to do that. Just right where you are. We're going to close. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Be sure to see uh, Brother Andrew at the table back there. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming tonight. God love you. Bless you. Remember, Saturday night service is no more for the next 10 weeks or so. We'll hope to see you Sunday morning. Sunday night. Praise God. Bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.